NPR. This is the indicator from Planet Money. Adrian Ma, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Waylon Wong. So <laughs> did you make any resolutions you'd like to share with me and, you know, all of our listeners? Um, I am telling myself that I want to try quitting caffeine. Totally? Yes. I actually started this a few days ago uh, and then have since broken my... A resolution. That's just like a test run. That's just a test run. <laughs> I think the lack of caffeine in my system is is really testing my resolve right now. <laughs> I don't know. What about you? Do you have any resolutions? Yeah, I mean, I don't really believe in self-improvement, but I decided that this year <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to learn how to play the succession theme song on the piano. So I'm going to start Ooh. practicing. Wait, that's the one that goes... Uh huh. Yeah, and I honestly don't know if any of this is going to come to pass. I might like never tickle the ivories again after next week because <laughs> keeping resolutions is not easy. So true. But as our former co host Stacey Vanek Smith found out in an episode a year ago, behavioral economics can help. That's right. Stacey talked with Katie Milkman, who's a professor at the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School. Katie's also author of a book called How to Change the Science of Getting from Where You Are to where you want to be. It's a great conversation to replay for the new year, and we will be back with a new episode tomorrow. All right, Stacey Vanek-Smith and Katie Milkman coming up after the break. This advertisement comes from our paid sponsor, Fundrise. High interest rates mean that real estate assets are available at a discount compared to previous valuations. The Fundrise flagship fund plans to expand its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. Add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio at fundrise.com indicator. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the fund before investing. Read the prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. Katie Milkman, author of How to Change, thank you for joining us. So you write in your book about something that directly relates to New Year's resolutions. It is called the fresh start effect. So what is it? So the fresh start effect describes this tendency we have to see new beginnings and to feel a sense of renewal and pursue our goals with renewed vigor at those moments. So these moments are times in our lives when we feel like we have some kind of a break from the past and we can say, okay, it's a fresh start, a clean slate, a new chapter, a new beginning. Um, and they can be really small. So it turns out Mondays are a fresh start and they have really? this. I know. It's like every Monday. Take that, Garfield. <laughs> the general pattern is if you look at when people... People search for the term diet on Google. If you look at when people set goals on a popular goal-setting website, um, if you look at when people are most likely to visit the gym, they go back more on Mondays, the beginning of a new month. So when I talk about the fresh start effect, I'm sort of describing this general pattern in people's behavior where we see them exhibiting extra motivation to pursue their goals. That's so interesting. It sort of points to like the power of stories, like our own story to ourselves. It's sort of a part of a narrative or something. You're hitting on it perfectly. There's this wonderful 
research stream on the way we think about our lives and tell ourselves stories of our lives. And the way we organize those memories is as if our life unfolds in chapters. And this absolutely has implications for this sort of fresh start phenomenon. When we think of life in chapters, right? Like, oh, that was last year. We bracket that chapter and I have a new beginning. Or, you know, those were the Boston years and you move to New York and you bracket that and say you have a new beginning. That's what gives us the sense that there is a fresh start happening and a clean slate and that we're moving on. And the past is sort of further behind us. You mentioned earlier that there are certain things that you can do to increase the chances of success on a fresh start. What are some of those things? First of all, my like number one thing that I think is important is actually something that most people skip when they're thinking about achieving a goal. And that is just thinking carefully about what are the obstacles to success um, so that you can make a plan to overcome them. Someone's goal might be exercise. In fact, that's a really popular year's resolution is to get fit, right? Like I'm going to start going to the gym. And for some people, there's a barrier that they could anticipate, which is like, I hate exercise. It's going to be miserable. If you know what is going to be a problem, then there's different scientific tools you can use actually to try to overcome that. A really key insight, I think, from recent research, if you don't enjoy the pursuit of the goal, you will not persist. We're wired to care a lot about the instant gratification of our experiences. We're not that good at focusing on the long-term goal. And that's part of why New Year's resolutions tend to fail. We're just, you know, we're like, yeah, I want to get there, but God, it sucks. And so if we don't find a way to make it enjoyable, we really, really quit early. So thinking about that and planning for it is really important. And it can be that you change the way you pursue the goal, right? You're like, okay, I'm going to go for walks with my good friend and that's how I'm going to get my exercise instead of whatever painful thing I used to do. Another one that I think is super important, and I do feel like a lot of people know this, but maybe don't act on it enough, is simply breaking that big goal down into bite-sized chunks. So it's really clear what you're going to do today, as opposed to like, I need to save for retirement. Perfect. Yeah, let's just save for retirement. And there's this great study by uh, Hal Hirschfeld of UCLA, who was the lead author on it, showing that if you invite people to save $5 a day, instead of $150 a month, which you could do the multiplication, it's the same decision, people are far more likely to say yes. And they find it much more appealing because it's bite-sized. Oh yeah, I can save $5 a day. So do you use this stuff yourself? Oh my God. (laughs) All of it. Honestly, probably my number one moment when I realized, wow, I'm, I'm totally using behavioral science to hack my life. I was a graduate student um, in engineering. Life was exhausting uh, and stressful. And I really knew I needed physical activity to like get through the stress yeah, yeah. and be productive. But at the end of a long day of classes, when I had like so much homework looming, I would come home and I just wanted to like curl up on the couch yes. and binge watch oh TV. I, like, I mean, this is I, really, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it resonates. It's resonating, yes. <laughs> but I just could not, could not motivate myself. So I set up a rule for myself, which was, okay, I'm only allowed to indulge in entertainment if I'm at the gym. And all of a sudden, I started exercising every day because all I wanted to do at the end of the long day of classes was get to the gym. And I did it with audiobooks. I was like, I'm going to listen to Harry Potter on the treadmill. And I'm going to find out what happens to Voldemort and all these characters. And then I'd come home totally rejuvenated and ready to get my work done. And I'd already gotten my entertainment fix. So it was like everything was solved in this one fell swoop. Like my mental health improved, my procrastination improved, my grades improved. 
Uh, and then I ended up deciding, okay, I should study this and like prove whether or not oh. linking these things in this way can be helpful. I feel like there's often like a barrier to starting because there's like a fear of failure where it's like easier to not try in a way. Yeah, that's really interesting. There's something called the what the hell effect, which is one of my favorite names for an effect in the world. also one of my favorite (laughs) names for an effect in the world. There's literally an academic finding called the what the hell effect. It's brilliant. (laughs) And the effect is just what it sounds like, actually. It's that, you know, you have a small goal failure, like you're trying to stick to a diet, but somebody brings in donuts in the morning for work and you have one and you go, what the hell? And then for the rest of the day, you like eat all sorts of junk because you're like, well, I blew through the goal anyway. What the hell? So like, how do you deal with that? How can you prevent it? And there's great research by one of my colleagues at Wharton, Marissa Sharif and Suzanne Shu of Cornell University. And what they've done is they've shown that when people set a goal in a way that gives themselves a little bit of wiggle room, they actually achieve more than if they set the same goal without wiggle room or a less stringent goal. So let me be really concrete. Like you want to go for a run seven days a week. That's a tough goal, right? You're probably going to have some failures, but it's motivating. So they found that you can do your best. You'll get the farthest if you don't just say seven days a week, but you say, okay, I'm going to give myself a couple emergency reserves, a little padding. So if I miss a day, I'll still say I'm on track. Uh, And this is better than just saying, I'm going to try to do it, say, five days a week. It's better to say seven days a week with two get-out-of-jail-free cards, even though they're identical, because you're going to strive for that tough goal, but you're going to have a little wiggle room. It feels very profound. Oh, thank you. I mean, for what it's worth, I do feel like everybody's got something they're trying to improve at. There's a reason we do this New Year's resolutions thing, and there is good science, and it really can make life better. So... I'm always excited to have the chance to to tell people. Katie Milkman is a professor at Wharton and the author of How to Change. This episode of The Indicator was produced by Brittany Cronin with help from Andy Huther. It was fact-checked by Taylor Washington. Our senior producer is Viet Le, and our editor is Kate Kincannon. The Indicator is a production of NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from State Farm. As a State Farm agent and agency owner, Lakeisha Gaines understands the support small businesses need. Knowing that no business is the same, knowing that we're all impacted by things that are beyond our control, like catastrophes, and hearing and listening and understanding what's important to a business owner, understanding how much is truly affordable and what makes sense at that moment. Because a three-year psychiatrist is going to be very different than a 20-year doctor. And a two-year sign owner is going to be very different than a one-month restaurant owner who's just trying to figure out what's going to be on the menu next month. Those are the things that I think are extremely important that come to my experience as a small business owner. It's me figuring out how to help the people that I live with, how to help the people that I work with, how to help the people that I volunteer with. Talk to your local agent about small business insurance from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Capella University. With Capella's FlexPath Learning Format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. From your car radio to your smart speaker, NPR meets you where you are in a lot of different ways. Now we're in your pocket. Download the NPR app today.